Hello and welcome to the first episode of What's That Finance. My name is Wayne and this podcast is my self-led journey to financial literacy and I would like to thank you for joining me today. So to start this podcast, I wanted to cover some seemingly basic things that I believe we all need to know in order to better prepare for our financial futures. And what better way to do that than to start off talking about everybody's favorite topic, taxes. I figured I'd start this show off talking about taxes, specifically taxes linked to your income. To be honest, this is something I had ignored for well over a year of investing. And funnily, I didn't even know what tax bracket I was in before doing research for this podcast. I think it's really important to see where our money goes when we receive income. We might feel like a good portion of our money just vanishes before we even get to spend any of it. At least, I feel that way. So, learning about taxes may help us plan for our futures better, whether it's for the next month or until we retire. But first, let's define taxes. A tax is defined by the Collins English Dictionary as a compulsory financial contribution imposed by a government to raise revenue. In other words, we give the government money, and that money is, according to Intuit.com, used by the government to invest in technology and education and to provide goods and services for the benefit of the American people. The three biggest categories of expenditures are major health programs such as Medicare and Medicaid, Social Security, and Defense and Security. Now, on to the taxes. Number 1. Individual Income Taxes An individual income tax, or personal income tax, is levied on the wages, salaries, investments, or other forms of income an individual or household earns. To levy pretty much just means to impose an obligation to pay or to collect what is owed. Many individual income taxes are progressive, meaning tax rates increase as a taxpayer's income increases, resulting in higher earners paying a larger share of income taxes than lower earners. The U.S. levies income tax rates ranging from 10% to 37% that start at specific income thresholds. These are called tax brackets. The following are the current earnings and federal tax rates for single individuals. I'll include these in the show notes along with the rates for married filing jointly, married filing separately, and heads of household too, just in case you need those. For single individuals, taxable income over $0 is 10%, $9,875 is 12%, $40,125 is 22%, $85,525 is 24%, $163,300 is 32%, $207,350 is 35%, and $518,400 is 37%. Now, if you're like me, you thought that as soon as you passed a certain earnings threshold that all your money was taxed at that rate in your tax bracket. Thankfully, this is not the case. Each bracket is taxed at its own rate and then goes up. For example, any money you make from $0 to $9,875 is taxed at 10%, and then from $9,876 to $40,125 is taxed at 12%, and so on. Bad news, though. Your state can also choose to tax your income. 
They can do this in a couple of ways, but most states use the progressive tax bracket structure, much like the government levies federal income tax with, but with their own brackets and rates based on your income. This doesn't nullify the federal income taxes you pay either, so any state income tax you pay is in addition to the federal ones. There are 11 states that have a flat income tax rate, meaning they tax a fixed percent of your income. But the state decides what counts as income, so it could be regular income, dividend income, interest income, etc. And there are seven states that have no state income tax, one of them being my home state, Texas. I'll put a link in the description so you can find out what the income tax rates for your state are. And lastly, there are 4,964 jurisdictions across 17 states that impose a local income tax. So there will be a link in the description to figure out if you live in one of those states or jurisdictions as well. Some good news comes in the form of deductions, which reduce your taxable income by either a set amount, the standard deduction, or a specified amount, the itemized deduction. The standard deduction is a set reduction from your taxable income depending on your filing status. The filing status and deductions are as follows. Single is $12,400. Married filing jointly is $24,800. Married filing separately is $12,400. And head of household is $18,650. Here's an example. Say I filed taxes with $40,125 of income. The standard deduction is $12,400 for people with a filing status of single. So my taxable income is reduced to $27,725. And following our tax bracket formula, 0 to $9,875 minus 10% is $8,887 and to $9,876 to $27,725 minus 12% is $15,708. Add those together with our original deduction and our take-home pay is $36,995, meaning we paid $3,130 in income tax. That number would have been around $4,600 without the deduction. Pretty good. The itemized deduction is basically where you claim deductions yourself. However, you cannot get the standard deduction and the itemized deduction at the same time. So you might want to weigh your options before choosing either. Some common itemized deductions are charitable contributions, medical and dental expenses, home mortgage payments, sales and property taxes, etc. I'll post a link in the description that lists what you can itemize and what the requirements are for each thing. Again, it'd be best to make sure whether itemizing or just choosing the standard deduction will save you more money before making your decision. And the last bit of good news, tax credits. A tax credit is a reduction in your tax bill. There are refundable and non-refundable tax credits, meaning if you had a refundable tax credit of $500, but you only owe $200 in taxes, you'll get a check for $300. Most tax credits aren't refundable, though. Some common tax credits are child tax credit, which could net you $2,000 per child, 
the lifetime learning credit, which lets you claim up to $2,000 on the first $10,000 you paid toward tuition fees, and the residential energy credit, which can get you up to 26% of the installation cost of solar energy systems, including solar water heaters and solar panels. I'll post a few links with more information on specific tax credits in the description if you want to read further on them. Now, let's move on to payroll taxes. Number 2. Payroll Taxes Payroll taxes are taxes paid on the wages and salaries of employees to finance social insurance programs. You can view your payroll taxes by taking a look at your pay stub at the end of each pay period. On my pay stub, they're listed as FICA tax, that's F-I-C-A tax, and Medicare tax. Basically, these taxes are split in half for the employer and employee. Your employer withholds your half from your paycheck automatically. According to the IRS, as of October 22, 2020, the current tax rate for Social Security is 6.2% for the employer and 6.2% for the employee, or 12.4% total, and the current rate for Medicare is 1.45% for the employer and 1.45% for the employee, or 2.9% total. So that's another 7.65% of our income gone. Let's compare some things, just to make sure we understand this information so far. Using a tax calculator for last year based on a household income of $40,125 with a filing status of single, I compared living in Houston, Texas, Chicago, Illinois, and New York City. Keep in mind that the payroll taxes of 7.65% are included in all three of these examples. Houston, Texas has no state or local income tax. My take-home pay was $33,898. Chicago, Illinois has a state tax, but no local tax. My take-home pay was $32,025. And New York City has both a state tax and a local tax. My take-home pay was $31,060. So as you can see, you might want to check local and state taxes before choosing where to live, because that can mean thousands of dollars saved per year in taxes. Number 3. Capital Gains Taxes Capital assets generally include everything owned and used for personal purposes, pleasure or investment, including stocks, bonds, homes, cars, jewelry, and art. When you sell a capital asset, the difference between the adjusted basis in the asset and the amount you realize from the sale is a capital gain or a capital loss. Adjusted basis is defined as the cost of an asset after various deductions and additions, such as depreciation, brokerage fees, and dividends. There are two types of capital gains, short-term capital gains and long-term capital gains. A short-term capital gain is when you sell a capital asset after holding it for one year or less. Short-term capital gains are taxed at your regular federal income tax bracket. A long-term capital gain is when you sell a capital asset after holding it for more than a year. The long-term capital gains tax rate for single individuals is as follows. Zero to $40,000 is 0%. 40,001 to $441,450 is 15%, and 
and $441,451 or more is 20%. And of course, I'll include the rates for married filing jointly, married filing separately, and heads of household in the description if you need them. There are a few exceptions where capital gains may be taxed at rates greater than 20%. Number one. The taxable part of a gain from selling Section 1202 Qualified Small Business Stock is taxed at a maximum 28% rate. And basically what Section 1202 is, if I'm understanding it correctly in my research, is an internal revenue code that allows 100% of capital gains tax from select small business stock to be excluded from federal tax. Though this only applies to qualified small business stock acquired after September 27, 2010. Number 2. Net capital gains from selling collectibles, such as coins or art, are taxed at a maximum 28% rate. And number 3. The portion of any unrecaptured Section 1250 gain from selling Section 1250 real property is taxed at a maximum 25% rate. And from what I could grasp on unrecaptured Section 1250 gains is that if you sell a property for more than it's depreciated, meaning its value lost over time, based on the adjusted cost basis, which is just the value of the asset changing based on improvement costs, new purchases, etc., they tax you up to a 25% rate for the difference in purchase cost to depreciation. Here's an example. Say you buy a house for $100,000, and through depreciation, it's now valued at $80,000. Say you sell the house for $130,000. The unrecaptured Section 1250 gain is that $20,000 difference between the purchase price and the current value. The other $30,000 will just be taxed at the long-term capital gains rate of 15%. And since they're a form of capital gains, unrecaptured Section 1250 gains can be offset by capital losses, meaning when you declare a capital loss on your tax return, it can reduce the tax burden for your capital gains up to $3,000 a year. And that about does it. This was very informative for me personally. I can't believe how long it took me to really look into where my money was going before I got paid. Uh, I also learned some things that I never thought I would. Before I started doing research for this, I had no idea what Section 1202 and Section 1250 were, and surprisingly, I had no idea how taxes worked. And maybe you didn't either. And that's what makes me excited for this podcast. The idea of learning, recording, and sharing information that I am passionate about for others or myself to reference back to is amazing, in my opinion. Anyways, this completes the first episode of What's That Finance. I hope you found this episode informative. If you did, or even if you didn't, feel free to send me an email at whatsthatfinance at gmail.com if you have any questions or feedback. Anyways, though, um, thank you for listening, and have a great day. When I fall asleep